everybody, and welcome to episode 63, the President's Day special of Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. Yeah. So what happened this week? Well, it was a short week on both ends. It was a very long weekend. Uh, I basically make a long story short. Let's just say that this is the shortened episode 63. I don't want to make it too long because we have some really special guests for episode 64. And uh, I basically had this baby ready to go out on Friday and uh, had a little bit of a misstep here in L.A. We had some inclement weather. We've been talking about it for like the last month now, just because we're not used to so much rain ever. And uh, everything's falling apart over here. And I know the Glendale Galleria made news recently worldwide, or at least I saw it on international weather channels where they were showing all the rain pouring out of the uh, parking structure, a couple of deaths. There was evacuations in my neighborhood. There were evacuations all across the foothills. There was a power outage in my neighborhood. Um, I was down in San Diego. And then I, I interviewed the folks over at Cerberus Moto. So that's who you'll be hearing on uh, next week's episode or episode 64, this week's episode at the end of this week. But um, yeah, so this is how this episode it started out okay, but here's how it kind of went. It just it flew off the rails. And I'm not sure if you wanted to have this in your uh, earbuds or not. <laughs> My God. You guys. Is it funny to see your voices popping up like that? Oh my gosh. And that's not all there was. I mean, there was plenty of other missteps as usual with this show, but I talked about weird stuff like trying to make a correlation between motorcycles and the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which was not only was the Trans-Pacific Partnership a huge failure, but trying to make that connection was a huge failure um talked about i don't know several other stupid things and then stuff like this happened well at least that's one less mouth to feed if he's dead <laughs> all right back to our book review you know this show i'm, I'm giving up on this show i talked about such boring things as the trans-pacific partnership and uh, now i'm gonna you're gonna live oh my god i can't put this on the air yeah, that was my kid screaming, I killed him, I killed him. Incriminating herself on tape. <laughs> this will be burned afterwards. But anyway, yeah, we had a lot of stuff we talked about. I guess I can cover a few of the basics, but the biggest things I want you to get out of this episode, it's going to be pretty short, super short. It's a it's a half-off sale, so you're going to get half an episode. What, like 25 minutes, 30 minutes, maybe, tops? So basically, the deal is here check out next week's episode. We're going to have some guests from this awesome place down in San Diego called Cerberus Moto. Uh, they're going to be at the Big Three Swap Meet, which I think I plug again at the end of this episode. So just hang out, listen to that. Um, and then there's a bunch of stuff coming up. And that, you know, we'll talk about all of it again. I kind of feel stupid rehashing it, but, uh, you know, we'll talk about all of that at the end of this episode as well. But so stay tuned. Uh, put your earbuds back in your ears where they were a minute ago. What? Huh? Oh, this, let's just get to the show. It, it was already a screw up. Let's just get on with it and get it over with. Welcome to the Creative Riding Motorcycle Podcast, the Internet's home for motorcycle mediocrity. Your host. Listen, I can barely tie a shoe, let alone figure out this thing. 
Oh baby. I don't know, did it really? I can't tell if he's just revving the motor and being a jerkwad. My skin met the asphalt. Put these new ki- new ways kit my Alright, a couple of blurs. Whatever they do with cocaine. The people who make it happen. The first bike I ever bought was originally hanging from the rafters in his garage. It's a cafe racer with alloy manks, racing tank, and clip-ons, and all that jazz. And the thing's beautiful. I just love the way the Norton sounds. The Soma actually was purchased by uh, the Barber Vintage Motorsports Museum. Right. So that's where she lives now. Oh, man, bro. I was doing 200 miles an hour, and my fingers are coming off the grips. This is in and out of traffic. Um, I got to wheelie through an intersection on that. <laughs> Red. Yeah, it was a little unexpected, but I got some applause from the homeless guy at the bus step, bus bench. That was pretty fun. I think my dad first gave me my first motorcycle was a Kiwi 80 when I was four years old, and the first thing I did was look in the bushes, showing mum how cool it was. Well, um, all right, technically all chaps are assholes, right? Or else yeah, they just technically. Yeah, that's, we decided that you can call anything without an ass on it assless. All season, my bike's been having a problem hopping off the starting line. Like, the back of the bike will hop real bad, and I'll have to let off the gas and get back in it. And I would go to Jesse's and hang out upstairs in the whole building at West Coast Choppers, and he let me sit there and just watch him. Uh, right now, I'm drinking a stone rumination, um, but that's not all I do. Earlier today, I was... <laughs> I was working on a BMW R90. Let's get started. All right. Well, it's about time to get started. This is, uh, of course, episode 63 of Creative Writing coming out to you on a Tuesday. Why the hell would I release one on Tuesday when there's going to be one up again on Friday or Saturday? Well, you 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 deserve one. That's why. (laughs) So this weekend, it was a four-day weekend for me. I uh, I had last week's show almost ready to go on Friday and uh, recording remotely. I was out of town. L- L.A. was just coming down. L.A. was falling apart. And uh, so I was glad to be out of town recording, but didn't have my studio, didn't have all my stuff with me. Needless to say, I left my uh, battery source at home for the computer and didn't have enough time to get it out. Had to, you know, borrow someone's from where I was at. Luckily, they also have a Mac, which has proprietary power plugs, which kind of sucks. But uh, the thing is, is that by Saturday, I mean, at that point, things had gone so far off the rail and I tried to record that it was just nuts. So I don't want to bore you with all this behind the scenes. I probably, uh, you know, really should just get to the point of stuff. Uh, what happened last week when I wanted to tell you about. I've saved some of the pre-recorded stuff from last week and I even saved some of the stuff from when it, it blew up. So here's your... Off President's President's Day episode. Uh, first thing I want to talk about is last week's show. I kind of covered what I had been doing on my bike and uh, you know all the weird little maintenance stuff that I'd done. Well, last week I had a carb. I called up J Pan because my I had rebuilt my carb and um, or I cleaned it. I took it apart and cleaned it, and it didn't resolve the issue that I was having with. Um, I don't know, it was like leaking gas and it was running super rich on startup. So I knew something was up and the fact that gas was always leaking in, I had a feeling it was a float pulled, you know, when I pulled it apart and cleaned it, I looked at the level and it looked fine. 
And um, so I just like re- you know cleaned out the little jets, squirted some stuff, blew some compressed air, put it back together, still leaking and all that great stuff. So while I had my bike apart doing my clutch for a couple days, yes, I said a couple days, and yes, a couple days for my carbs. And uh, I went over that in my previous recording, so I guess I should go over it now. Um, first things first is that I I just I called up JPan, I ordered a brand new carb kit. And I just rebuilt my car. They're only it was like twelve bucks. Why not? You know. And it came with like all new gaskets. And, and what happened was when I was taking it apart, um, the float valve, like there's a little needle valve in there, and uh, it had been it was ringed, and, and basically it's like a little uh, cylinder with like a cone on the top, and it had been sitting up in there for so long, uh, up and down, up and down in there that. It, a ring had formed around the tip where the cone seals it, you know, seals the gas from coming into the the bowl. And at some point it just, you know, there's a ring and so it's not sealing it. And there's a little bit of gas leaking by that ridge now that's on there. And so that's why the float bowl was filling up. That's why it was leaking all over, even when my gas was turned off. And uh, I mean, even at the petcock, it's really weird. You know, you turn it off at the petcock and, Somehow, like I must have a leaky petcock too, because um, it my my carb is a weird like CV carb where there's no actual off. It's like all on vacuum. So I don't know if there was just still enough vacuum even after I stopped the motor that it was uh, creating like you know a continual loop and that needle valve would, would kind of stop it. But it, or if there's a slow drip and I need to rebuild the petcock, but it was it was leaking, man. And so totally rebuilt my carb. And uh, redid my clutches and all that great stuff. And that, or my clutch plates. And that took like two days. And it should take probably half an hour. Why does it take me two days to redo my clutch plates and change my oil and rebuild my carb when that should probably take half an hour? It's because dadding. And I kind of went over that in my last uh, pre-recorded stuff. That that's kind of was my impetus behind the episode uh, bikes and babies when i was talking to mike and mary at uh, born free and thinking about how they have a baby coming up you know or they've had their baby but you know life after baby what does it mean and if you're into tinkering and stuff some of these guys uh that are pros and that's their livelihood i mean you know they make sacrifices and sometimes it doesn't turn out so great but for me like adulting gets in the way and it's like, all right, well, I'm going to preheat the oven, come out here and like tear my carb apart. And then that takes like 10 minutes to preheat the oven. I go in, throw some pizza in the oven while it's cooking for 20 minutes. I'm going to run out here and like disassemble it or whatever, you know, like pop all the old pieces out that are stuck in there and need to be hammered out and blah, blah, blah. Well, and then nighttime comes bath time, yada, yada. It's like 11 o'clock at night. I'm not going to go out in the garage and fool around at 11 o'clock at night. And, uh, so I come back in and do the rest of stuff the next day. So yeah, what should take me half an hour always ends up, pardon me, always ends up taking like two or three days. And it's because just like Johnny Cash sang one piece at a time, that's how I roll, baby. That's why it takes me so long to finish anything (laughs) is because you know how it is. You go to, you go to do something and it may be like, Oh, it's going to take me two hours. And even on even if you don't have any prior obligations or anything else you go in there and like a a, a stud breaks off or something seized and you got to go to get some crazy penetrating liquid or some something like that and it's like well it always takes longer than you anticipate anyway for some reason or another but for me it's always like adulting gets in the way so yeah i i uh 
you know, try to do the stuff. I kind of do it like Jason Goldmeyer said on that, in that episode. Uh, I just do it like when everybody's asleep. So, or when everyone's like coming home from school and maybe I have a couple minutes before they get home, that's when I start to do my stuff. So it takes me, um, a month of Sundays to get stuff done, but I eventually do and uh, feel accomplished for it. So yeah, I got my bike all buttoned up before we left for San Diego, which was a nice feeling to have everything done and know I didn't have to leave stuff. Uh, that's one thing I also hate leaving junk undone before, you know, I need to wrap it up and get back, you know, and it's going to be sitting out for four days and you can forget like what you had done and what you hadn't done. Yada, yada. So make a long story short, I got my bike, uh, all reassembled, or, you know, got it, all the parts, old parts replaced and got it reassembled. So that's great. But then I didn't get to take it for a test ride before we bailed. So I'm super excited for tomorrow. And uh, that's that story. So on last week's show, or the last previous iteration of this show, I should say, I also tried to talk interestingly about the Trans-Pacific Partnership, something which I really had no idea about. So I spent some time listening to uh, previous news reports, reading stuff, and listening to some podcasts, and all sorts of great media about the Trans-Pacific Partnership. I had no idea it's been around for like the last uh, like seven years, I think, five five or seven years, and that it's mostly the U.S. And, you know, old, old uh, trade partnerships involve people... Um, you know, don't tear, don't put a tax on this and I I won't put a tax on your stuff and we'll do this and that. But little did I know that it's a trade partnership between, you know, the Pacific Rim countries. There's Canada, US, Mexico, Peru, um, Chile. And then on the other side, on the other rim, we got Australia, New Zealand, Japan, Singapore, Malaysia, Vietnam, and Brunei. And, uh, I don't know if I said China, but they're like the biggest ones. And then I found out, you know, Donald Trump hadn't signed it or withdrew from it and, um, you know, given China all this power. Because when you've got all the power, you know, when you've got the, when you are the country that everybody's getting their stuff made in, all these other countries don't have the same resources. And I don't know if it's really artificial inflation and stuff like this or deflation of their own money that China uses to keep their manufacturing processes or whatever. But somebody was made the point that these other countries just don't have the the resources. They're so small compared to China. They don't have nearly the even area for all these factories and whatnot. And I was like, oh, you know, this is, sounds interesting. And, and I wonder what Harley's talking about. And it kind of correlates to the, what Harley's been in the news for that I mentioned a few weeks ago, but people have been like kind of trickling in on is that the fact that this whole 50 bikes and uh, part of this, I'll get to it in a second. But once I started looking at the Trans-Pacific Partnership, like I said, I didn't realize it's so old and people don't like it because it's basically the U- U.S. trying to hose all these other countries, the, all, almost every other country that I mentioned. And um, so, <laughs> I mean, from weird stuff like Big Pharma to like Hollywood, they have some of the biggest things, some of the most input into uh, the, the partnership and you're, is nothing that you would think like it's it's hardly any of the other other little tariffs and and other little weird things that you'd think would go in these totally secretive because it has to be or else people wouldn't have anything to negotiate with 
And people have been rejecting it for the last five years. I think it's probably a failure and it should probably go away and get renegotiated or something like that. But it has really hosed other people and given Big Pharma, which I already don't like, uh, a big would be giving it like this overextending hand into the meddling of other people's affairs and like other countries' sovereignty almost through trade. It would like take it away. So I thought, wow, it's, it's interesting on one hand. Come to find out, it really has nothing to do, at least to be disclosed at this point, with motorcycles. So I decided to dump it. And, but interestingly enough, Harley Davidson and saying their next 50 motorcycles, um, they are, or that they're going to have 50 motorcycles in the next five years. I did some counting in uh, some of the stuff that you could find online. And also, when they were talking, I know that they said that they were reaching out to Asia. They've got this huge, you know, when you think of Asia, I don't know what countries you think of, but it includes like, uh, you know, Pakistan, China, India. Um, there's a myriad of smaller countries that are like mixed in there that I can't even think of right now, but like all of Indonesia, like everything that's over there has a growing, um, especially Vietnam from what I've heard has growing like multimillionaire, uh, and growing middle classes and things like that. So these, these social classes are getting huge and they associate Harley with being badass too. So it's like, I don't know, a lot of, a lot of room actually for, for growth over there in Harley in Asia for Harley to move in. And that's part, part of what they wanted to do. So I think it was necessary for them to talk about what they plan to do with the TPP when they withdrew from it. They're like, well, crap. Okay. Well now we got to think of something else. I don't know how much they're going to get, charge over there or all that but harley has uh had a plant built in india now so at least they have a foot in the door over there but the 50 new models in in five years sounds like crazy right but i I mentioned before on the last time i mentioned it that they're probably just going to put their you know all the stuff that's one just like the 103s the 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 old 96 going to 103 was a big deal because 103 was only for like their screaming eagle stuff well then 103 was like old and blase and that went into everything basically and 110 was the new you know bomb diggity where they're putting the 110 and the slim s and 110 and like the other some of the other s models and then they came out with this crazy um, you know, post, this is all post Rushmore. They came out with this crazy Milwaukee eight and now everything's one Oh seven and one fourteen and all this and that. So th- these, if you consider that and how they bring out like the electric glide and then or the electric glide ultra classic and then the electric glide ultra classic low. And they just brought out the road King special where they take the road King and they black it out. I mean, that's basically how they're going to come up with their 50 bikes over five years it's not going to be that they really do uh 50 brand new bikes and i was looking at numbers in 2014 they they only had 29 bikes available i think i just said bikes what the hell in uh 2015 that jumped up to 36 so i mean they added you know seven new models that's when the streets made their debut the freewheeler was introduced um, and then a few C- more CVOs came online. In 2016, they had 41 bikes and they had four CVO models. They had a few more Sportster models. They added the Lowrider S, the Fatboy S, the Slim S, and the Roadster. And so, I mean, they were nine away. In one year, they were nine away from having 50 bikes. So if you consider that the CVOs 
swap out every couple of years. And, you know, I think that's how the breakout made its debut. It started out as a CVO. And then the next thing you know, it's a, you know, regular bike, mid-year introduction, regular bike. So stuff like that happens all the time. They could easily do 50 bikes in five years. And if you, and if they're counting this year, 2016, um, going into 2017, everything with the Milwaukee eight is already going to be considered a new bike probably. So, I mean, that's like, Let's say they have like 40 bikes already. So in 2017, not including the Road King special, they already had 36 bikes again. So 2015, they had 36. This year, they have 36. Um, and last year, they had 41. They dropped the, you know, the CBOs like the Pro Street Breakout and the the uh, Street Glide and the Limited and all that stuff. Those those things will rotate out. The Limited will stay, but the other ones will rotate out. New CBOs will rotate in. They dropped the uh, Sportster 72, the Switchback, the Fatboy Low, the Electroglide Low, and the uh, FLTRUSE, which is FLTRU, is the um, Road Glide Ultra uh, Screaming Eagle. So the Road Glide Ultra CVO bike. So yeah, they, they actually dropped a few models this year. If they had kept those, they would still be, what was it, a 41 that I say? And so if you... In- figure that they're going to have the live wire and then they're also going to have, well, they said the live wire is going to be ready in five years last year. So that I'm assuming is going to be one of their bikes toward the end of the five years. Um, and then you figure that they've got CVO models that rotate in and out. And then you figure they're going to do stuff like they did with the road King special. And maybe they don't drop the V rod. I mean, if they, they're supposedly going to drop the V rod and that'll, you know, leave them at 34 bikes. Um, you know, if they were to have dropped them this year, but uh, maybe they don't drop the V rod. We'll see. And they are going to water cooled motors like the, the XGs, you know what I mean? So, and those XGs aren't going anywhere. I've heard a lot of people speculating about how XG is going to, ah, man, those streets, those aren't nothing. And I think I said it on last, the last episode of we're clones. You know, the whole point I was making with us being like bananas is that that's that's basically like a cloned statement right there that I would expect a cloned person to say and not really looking forward or having anything new injected into their genetic pool is going to spell certain doom for Harley-Davidson. So trust me, the streets are staying around. And if you don't believe me, I hope you watched Flat Out Friday. I think the takeaways that you can have from the one show a couple weekends ago and Flat Out Friday this last weekend is that hardcore Harley guys... The young, the new gen that wants to like get out there and ride and doesn't just want a big couch. Those guys are taking the streets and they're racing them and they're turning them into some pretty cool custom bikes. They're turning them to some pretty cool race bikes and they're turning in some pretty cool just like street thrasher and street tracker bikes. They're making Harleys. They're making Sportsters great again. And it doesn't, they're not all the streets. I mean, some of them are the, are the, you know, we'll get into it later, but I mean, the new bikes, the new bikes that are out, you don't want to belt drive. I mean, I know the 750s are, but they're throwing a chain on them. You know, you need a, you need a chain drive on these things to make them like really legit for racing and all that and jumping and taking them out and making scramblers out of them. But these guys are doing it and they're making Harley, you know, they're doing stuff that the factory won't do. And I really, that's why you need hipsters to be honest. And that's why you need, uh, 
you know, cool builders that know what's kind of in and cool builders that know what, like what the um, latest trends are and stuff like that. And that what people actually want is cause that's how you get stuff like this. That's how you get these dudes starting race teams, former builders like Scott from noise cycles, the bikes that he's been building. I mean, he's building some stuff for, for born free and he's building some custom still, but I'll be damn, you know, he, that guy drove from the one show well, he drove from SoCal to the one show and then straight across to Mama Tried racing all along the way. So, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And now they're all headed back home and, um, you know, the streets are staying around guys. I, I heard a bunch of old, older Harley guys that are like in the cruisers saying that they don't understand them and that they're going bye-bye. And it's like, listen, they are not. I'm highly doubting if the V rods are now too, just cause I haven't seen any credible source uh, report that I just saw it floating out there. Somebody said, well, I have a source that said this, but we'll see what really happens. And if they do have 50 bikes in the next uh, five years, I can guarantee some of them are have to be water cooled. So we'll see which ones drop and which ones stick around. But I'm telling you the streets, those are here to stay. I did watch Flat Out Friday, but I'll get into that in a minute. Here's an excerpt from last uh, previous recording where I talk about you know, Harley with these 50 bikes, what they need to do. And, you know, talking about the Trans-Pacific Partnership a little bit and how Big Pharma wanted to put their hands into everything. I think Big Pharma and Harley Davidson need to link up. And here's what I had to say about it. They talked with Trump. I don't know what they talked about, but they should invest in like onboard diabetes, blood sugar level testers and like a built-in blood pressure sleeve that plugs in into your auxiliary, your uh, infotainment, your boom audio system, the infotainment system, and gives you a reading right there next to like your GPS. You can get your blood pressure, right? And get your uh, blood sugar level because all these fat people that are eating crappy beef that's not allowed in Europe uh, and smoking and drinking they and getting old. The fact that the rider demographics getting older and buying more cruisers, man, they should, they really need to invest in this stuff because big pharma is uh, that's, they're having the hardest time getting their products into HD bikes. But since we withdrew from the Trans-Pacific Partnership, now this is their chance, man. They can still get in with the biggest motorcycle manufacturer in the U.S. and do all this great stuff. And I was thinking about it. I might even, uh, you know those pillboxes that um, old people have that has like Monday through Sunday on it. And it's like, take this, you put your pills in there. So you just pop it and take it. I might make one of those. It's like handlebar mounted or mounts into your, um, stretch saddlebag kits. And if you have one of the fairing Harley Davidson's mounts up to where, um, right underneath where you're, they call it the jukebox. It's where you put your like iPod, pod or smartphone or something mounts right above that or a handlebar mounted one for the ones that don't have a a big fairing up front. Yeah. I might put one of those, uh, try to get in some licensing and make an HD one, uh, that is a medical med pillbox for your to mount on your Harley. (laughs) So at any rate, I'm just told being a jackass, (laughs) but Yeah, but I did, I got the giggles after that. I did think I was pretty funny, and I thought that's one way for Big Pharma to still get what they need out of someone. If we can't hose another country, let's hose our own. And 
you know, fight for the right of people to ride forever. <laughs> what am I even talking about? Enough of Harley Davidson in that aspect. Let's go back to Flat Out Friday. I was with you guys there. I think I caught Chris Singsheim on the big screen when they were showing it on the Jumbotron. Harley Davidson was doing a wonderful job, actually. It was almost, uh, I mean, it was a really, really good production of uh, Flat Out Friday on their uh, Facebook Live page. That's what I was trying to think of. They did a superb job of, of streaming it. They had a couple announcers, a couple Broby announcers, uh, not the regular guy that was announcing the rest of the racing there in the stadium, uh, pumping up the, the fans. But they had a couple of younger dudes there, just right amount of facial hair and cool, to uh, get the job done correctly. Now, I really liked it. I didn't get it. Really didn't see the very beginning, um, so I missed probably some of the heats and stuff. I didn't see Scott Jones out there, but I did see him on some of the stuff afterwards um, in most of the other social media feeds that I follow. So, yeah, I know that I saw him there. I didn't see him in the hooligan final. I think I saw uh, Mark Atkins there go down. A bunch of people I didn't really recognize. uh, A few that I did, actually, and some that I didn't. But the inappropriate race, that was totally fun. Just bikes flying everywhere at that point. In the main, the the pro main, uh, really, really, really good race. Um, It was kind of weird because they kind of black flagged or, you know, sent Corey Tech at the back for jump at the start and then they said he didn't jump it i think it was a guy on the second line he's the one i saw move i didn't see Corey texter move but Corey texter uh taking the win getting the big w in the grom race and prior to the event i had seen him like in his basement i guess it was or a storage shed or something just cruising around these two poles and um practicing going all out in the grom race and it really paid off but the big upset was, you know, he got back for whatever reason, they were going to send him to the back in the pro pro main. And then he gets back to the front line. They do the restart and he was in first place and I was pretty bummed. And when they did the restart, he jumps out again. He, he holds first almost all the way until the last like five or six laps. I'm not I can't remember how many laps it was, but he, you know, Jared Meese was he was doing really well, holding everybody off. And then Jared Meese and Briar Bauman, I think it was, were coming up behind him and getting in the fight a little bit. And then Jared Meese starts to show a wheel, kind of getting close. Jared Meese straight up motocrossed him. I don't, they do it in arena cross and supercross all the time where they T bone a guy in a corner and uh, break his radiator or something like that. And then they turn and keep going. I forget what it's called when they do that, but. And who does it the most? Like, I know I've heard, like, probably Villapoto and Alessi and Reed, like, mentioned a thousand times getting, you know, smashing into guys in a corner purposely just to stop them so that you can then turn and, and get out. And that's kind of what I felt like I was doing because Jared Meese was showing a wheel, showing a wheel, couldn't get around him. And then in, a, in one corner, there was a lapper there on the outside. And he just straight up rams into Corey Texter's rear tire or the rear of the bike and the swing arm. And he and it sends him up out of the seat. And if you watch the slow-mo, they played it on the you know Harley-Davidson feed and I've seen it online. He's up out of the seat. He's damn near went over the bars. Like he's up on the bars with his hips or on the tank with his hips. And because he rammed and Corey Texter looks back and then in the very next corner, Corey went wide and he passed him. So... I guess rubbing is racing and it is what it is, but I just felt like it wasn't cheating or anything like that, but I just felt it was like a really, uh, I don't know. Jared Meese is kind of like win at any 
cost. I mentioned in the last recording that uh, I kind of feel like he's the Sebastian Loeb now. I really like Mies, I do, and I like Brad Baker. I feel like they win disproportionately amounts of stuff, and I feel like they are fighting each other back and forth for a while. I'm anxious to see, you know, now they're all going to be on the same team. So as far as manufacturer as Indian is concerned, they could be, you know, as happy as pie on the track. I'm willing, can't wait to see what happens. Cause I was really stoked when Jared started, you know, making a name for himself and him and Nicole, she was, um, you know, became miss me. So I was like, that's cool. But Brad Baker is still up there with him and he's winning stuff like the super prestigio and he's still holding him off, holding off, you know, Jamie's. But then I see stuff like last night and I was like, damn, does he have to win everything? I don't know. I, I was kind of stoked to see Corey Texter, a name who we had, you know, I had kept up with him and Shayna, um, you know, throughout the past few years of them coming up and going up and down and up and down and having tough years here and really good years here. Same with Sam Halbert. And Kenny Coolbeth, these are just names that you just quit hearing about because all you heard about was Meese and Baker. You know what I mean? And I don't know. They're, so I was kind of stoked to see Corey Texture out front taking the lead for a while until Meese kind of came in and rammed him. But I guess that's why Meese is a champion. So unless you're willing to do that back, you're not going to be a champion yourself. But Flat Out Friday looked like a blast. We've got a few people uh, sending in some stuff. Chris Singsheim and the uh, WIR Top 10 Bikes. Some of some of those guys were there. That crew was repping. Um, of course, we saw a bunch of Rusty Butcher guys out in the audience. And every time they'd mention some name, they'd zoom in on a certain part of the crowd, another name, another part of the crowd. So it looked like a blast. And everybody was throwing text messages up to me and throwing Facebook messages up. Hey, you, you got, I wish you were here. Oh, this is so great. You got to be here. And it's like, well, I was in spirit. I was there with you. I tuned in live. And like I said, they did a wonderful job. I don't know what type of, you know, streaming or encoders or whatever they were using, or if they were just using some good old fashioned, uh, high dollar production equipment, but they did a bitching job of getting it out and uh, being able to do replays and all that stuff right there on the fly. So that was pretty cool. What else is cool? I mean, hell, you're in Milwaukee. You're out there on the ice. You're in like a, a building for the or factory from the 1920s and you're looking at cool custom bikes. I mean, what the hell? Uh, I feel like the one moto show are, has already been forgotten about. I haven't listened to hardly any other podcast, and I know it's Tuesday already. You know, by the time you're hearing this, but uh, the fact of the matter is, is like I feel like people have already forgot about that. A lot of the guys that raced both events are just happy to have it over with for a little while. So I'm gonna quit talking about all that stuff and start talking about some like more relevant stuff. And, um, there's some stuff that we'll get into in this Friday's episode or Friday or Saturday's episode, this week's episode, number 64. Great guests. I'm going to mention them again. Cerberus Moto down in San Diego. It's a co-op shop. You're going to hear all about it. But in the meantime, uh, just wanted to mention a couple things. And to help me, I think I have a piece from the previous recording from last Friday that I can play you. Let's uh, drop that in and see if we still got it. Okay, time is running out here on my battery. So time is running out for this show. 
This is going to be probably the shortest show in creative writing history. Uh, this week coming up, we have at February 26th, the Long Beach swap meet. And you know, that's up in Long Beach. If you're coming down from further north than LA, it's a great spot to stop in. And I'm not 100% sure about what the rain forecast is going to be. But uh, if you're down in San Diego or if you're in LA, why don't you come down to San Diego for the big three swap meet? When I used to live down here, it was an annual pilgrimage for everybody that was into any motorized sort of thing to cruise down to the big three held at Qualcomm Stadium every year and you could find everything you wanted from an old Schwinn bicycle that had been buried in a river bottom for 25 years and had like you know the original Schwinn decals and the uh, suicide shifter and everything on it to like a 1932 low boy or you know I'm not 100% sure of the years because I'm not a Ford hot rod guy but uh, you know there is everything you could imagine plus motorcycles and scooters and this and that uh, parts manuals I mean you name it if it, if it's if it's a motorhead it was there and so basically Oh, that came out wrong. If it's Motorhead, it's probably music-based. If it's Gearhead, it's there. Does that sound better? Should I edit this out? Should I leave it in? I think I'm just going to leave it in. All right, so anyways, um, yeah, next week, Big 3 is going to be down here in San Diego. Why is that significant? Well, because in the five hours that I spent talking at Cerberus Moto yesterday, I found out that they're going to be down at the Big 3 selling some of their stuff. And if you are in the... I mean, if you're looking for some vintage, probably CB stuff or any vintage uh, bike, scrambler, you know, chopper, whatever it is, head down to Cerberus Moto. They have probably got what you're looking for. They just have a plethora of uh, goodies that they're going to be having down there at the Big Three. So go check them out. And of course, um, next weekend... That's the 20, February 26th, 27th, 28th. Is that how that works? 24th, 25th, 26th? Uh, I think it's 4th, 5th, and 6th. And um, so go down and check that out. And of course, we'll mention that on next week's show at any rate. But yeah, that's it's going to be pretty awesome. On the 25th, which I think is next Saturday, there's going to be a Helmets 101 class put on by Black Girls Ride Magazine. It's going to be at Hudson Motorcycles at 1835 West Rosecrans in Gardena. Who should attend? It says every motorcycle rider should attend. And it's basically going to tell you how to choose the right helmets for your ride. You're going to learn about the different styles of helmets. You're going to learn about comms. So there was a listener a while back, Sam, that was uh, asked me about comms. And I, uh, you know, admittedly, I just have a tin can with a piece of string going to another helmet. And that's about as uh, that and some wild, crazy hand gestures and lots of middle fingers and um, crashing. That's how I tell someone I'm in trouble. I just crash and then they know something's wrong so that's my comms so if you're interested in helmets comms the different types of helmets and there's a free barbecue lunch there's raffles and prizes there's even 25 percent off all helmets and that's at hudson motorcycles 1835 west rosecrans avenue in gardena february 25th 2017 uh, the President's Day ride taking place February 26th, which I believe is next Sunday, is going to go from Ronald Re- Ronald Resident. You know, that's really easy for me to say. Uh, 
It's Ronald Reagan uh, Presidential Library. What's happening is on the 26th, they're going to start out at Eagle Rider LAX at 8.30, meet up there for coffee and bagels, kickstands up at 9. They're going to ride up to Simi Valley to the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library. And that's a pretty good ride if you're not familiar with the L.A. area. Uh, Simi Valley is uh, quite a ways from LAX. So that's a pretty good ride. Admission is 21 bucks. They're going to see everything at the Ronald Reagan Museum, which includes the Air Force One from when he was a president. It's going to include his rise from being an actor to governor. And maybe this will inspire Arnold Schwarzenegger to have his own library. At some, I think he'll have a gym, actually. Earlier this month, they did a ride uh, for the president up to the President Nixon Presidential Library in Yorba Linda. If you go back to our EPA episode, we talk about Richard Nixon. We talk about the founding of the EPA by one Republican. And this year, we're going to have the re- repealing of the EPA by another Republican. So uh, short-lived little... Uh, a uh, very short-lived uh, agency there. So at any rate, yeah, really interesting, all these cool places that they're going, um, you know, really kind of fun stuff. I mentioned the SoCal Swap Meet. I mentioned the Big Three. Both of those are the SoCal ones, only the 26th. The uh, the Big Three down in San Diego is going to be the 24th, 25th, and 26th. Go down there, check out Cerberus Motorcycles. They're, you know, at the Long Beach Swap Meet, it happens every month. The Big Three, it's a once-a-year deal, and it's you're guaranteed to see stuff that you won't see sometimes ever again. So uh, I would check that one out. Other cool upcoming events that I want to mention is the Johnny J and the Flatfoot Flugies show on March 17th. I've mentioned that plenty of times. You know, they were streaming actually on Whiskey Junction, which is Rockabilly, Honky Tonk, and Surf Music Friday on KYRS. I put a little post up on our Facebook page, a little link to that. Uh, I think everyone had a lot of fun at Flat Out Friday uh, checking all the Instagram feeds of all the people that I follow. Looks like they did the one show, did the Mama Tried show, and now everybody's going home. How quickly these things are forgotten. I hope you've had a good President's Day weekend. I certainly have. Sorry, I did not get this out on Saturday like I planned. As I said, I spent five hours, to much to the dismay of my family, mostly the boss of the family. I think you know who I'm talking about. And uh, anyways, it's been a heck of a weekend. You get a little peek behind the scenes here. When I do my ride reports, at least I have them scheduled out what days I'm going to talk about what because I kind of cover the things that have happened that day. This week, it's, it's all crazy. It's free-flowing. It's been a short week. Uh, it's been a long day and uh, I'm going to pump this thing out for you now. Uh, a little update. I bought, I posted uh, the first coloring books that Dan from Daily Bikers has done, full uh, page coloring books. I forget. I think there's 30 bikes in each one or something like that. I got the first copy. I got the very first one of these coloring books. So uh, that's probably going to go out. Also, if we don't give it away to the winner of the Solstice Slam, maybe we'll we'll send it out as a prize for something uh, later. But I got the very first one. I was so excited. He emailed me and said, hey, this is my, my very first one. You got number one and two. So I feel I feel stoked about that. I got the whole shot on these coloring books. But check that out at dailybikers.com. Don't forget to check out our friends up at the Swing Show in Spokane, Washington. Johnny J and the Flatfoot Flugies on the March 17th. 
don't forget to check out Long Beach Swap Meet and Cerberus Moto at the Big Three in San Diego. And the Long Beach Swap Meet, of course, is at the Memorial Lou Davis Memorial Stadium or Memorial Stadium up in Long Beach. Don't forget to check out rides in your local area. Stay tuned. Keep your ears down to the ground in your part of town. And if there's anything exciting going on, send us an email. Uh, submit your stories for the Solstice Slam before Mar- on or before March 23rd. And like I said, record it on your phone, record it on your computer, have a friend shoot a video of you, a super high tech, have a production company come to your town from like Hollywood or something and shoot a movie about you and then email it to creative writing podcast, all one word at gmail.com and send it to us on Facebook, send it to us, uh, have a carrier pigeon, drop off your film canister or your recording or whatever you need to do, but get, get us to us by March 23rd and, uh, we will stick it on our social slam show. What's up, bud? All right, buddy. We've got 10 minutes to kill for this show to make it at least an hour. Do you want to tell some jokes? Do you have any cool jokes? Yeah. Say one. What did the monkey do when someone saw it in the bath? It fell in the water. That is the world's most terrible joke I've ever heard. I don't think you need, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. Evidence right there. Last week's show just went crazy off the rails. And I probably should just call it off the rails, but I'm just going to call this the President's Day Short, the special. So I did a book review last week. I think I'll drop that in here and then we will cut the show. Next week, we're going to talk about Elena Myers. We're going to talk to the folks at Cerberus Moto. And of course, I'll have something else cool up my sleeve to talk to you about. So uh, I'll drop this book review in and then we'll close out the show. So book 132 days, a journey, a journal and some whiskey by Mike Crabal, Mike Crabel, Mike Crabel, Mike Crabal. I don't know. It's K-R-A-B-A-L. You pronounce it how you like. I'll pronounce it how I just did. It's got four out of five stars on Amazon. I'm reading it on my Kindle, which is really nice because um, you can highlight it. You can see what past passages and pages other people have highlighted, and it gives you a typical time to read, which is 10 hours and 27 minutes. It's 408 pages long, and uh, if it takes somebody 10 hours and 27 minutes, it's going to take me about 10 months and 27 days to read, which is really going to throw the average off of this. But at any rate, plugging through this thing, I've been reading it to my kids at night as a bedtime story because when I read them little kids stories, they, they're they engaged and they want to know what happened to you know little Peter in the forest or they want to know what happened to the little mice in the field, blah, blah. When I start reading them grown up, type stuff, they become instantly uh, sleepy and they just fall right to sleep. So it's a way to, you know, read them a couple of kids stories, then read my own stuff um, and, you know, kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> I've been saying kill and two a lot recently, just a few seconds in the last few seconds. And I know that my kids are here with me and I don't want them to get the wrong idea. It's a, it's a phrase, kids. It means to get two things done at once, okay? All right, they're smiling now. So at any rate, yeah, this book, um, like I said, four out of five stars. I think that's on Amazon. I'm not sure if it's like on Goodreads or anything else. But anyway, I'm, I'm a few, I'm like 10% in. It's only taken me three months to get that far, so it's really good. He basically set out on a journey 
his first road trip alone took him 132 days, apparently, because that's what the book's called. And uh, it's pretty good. So far, I would recommend it. And I would say that it has hit all the appropriate markers and checked all the appropriate boxes that you're looking for when you want to hear about someone's adventure. The writing is pretty good. Um, I don't know what else to say about it, except for that I'll let you know more when I'm done. And I don't want to, even when I'm done, I I don't want to spoil the plot for you or let you know anything major that happens, but it's pretty cool. It's got pictures. Uh, He was uh, smart enough to invest in a camera and start documenting the trip so that he could write a book afterwards. And, uh, I'm just give you a little spoiler here. I don't think that was his true intention. I think he said that in the beginning. So here you just get a peek into someone's very first uh, trip on the road alone and 132 days, a journey, a journal, and some whiskey. So far, it's promising to be a good read. Like I said, I'll let you know how it pans out in the coming weeks, months, and five years from now. I'll let you know how it ends. Well, that is our show for this week, everybody. That's our book review. I hope you liked it. Creative Writing and its associates would like to apologize to the following. The One Show, Mama Tried Show, Flat Out Friday, Jared Meese, Corey Texter, Brad Baker, Briar Bauman, and any other AFT stars we may have mentioned. We'd like to apologize to Cerberus Moto. Stick around this upcoming week's show for their wonderful interview. Sorry to my kids. Sorry to my carburetor and clutch plates. Sorry to the Trans-Pacific Partnership and Canada, America, Mexico, Peru, Chile, Vietnam, Malaysia, Brunei, Australia, New Zealand, China, That's off the top of my head, folks. I'm sorry to anybody I may have forgotten that transaction. Singapore. We'd like to apologize to Mike Krabal. Is that how you pronounce your name? At any rate, that's our show for this week. Stick around. In a few days, there'll be another one out. So if you you missed this one, it's totally fine. It flew off the rails early on. And uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your week. All right. Ciao. You're going to live. Oh my God, I can't put this on the air. Friends have your back. Family helps you hide the bodies. So, <laughs> no, no, no. This book. This book. <laughs> we missed out on the old uh, Venice Vintage ride. If you were up in the LA area, Venice Vintage Motorcycle Club is doing their uh, third Sunday ride because they're like overweight and, well, maybe they are overweight. I'm going to edit this out. They were they were streaming it there. They had like a couple they uh, a couple. Why did I just make it straight? Um, but so I don't know. Just just uh, keep your ears to the ground. At this point, I mean, it's already Sunday, and I already have two gremlins wrestling over here to see who's the champion of my love. <laughs> who, do, who Daddy loves the winner. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then I also love the loser. Everybody wins. Um, what what's word? I love you. See you later. Next day podcast is.